0: Go to a convention about at least once a year, yeah. and so I always see them. I mean, occasionally one comes through that I haven't seen in a long time. It is kind of a surprise and pleasant surprise to see it. But uh, for the most part, uh, nostalgic person. No, I'm usually too busy to be nostalgic. Yeah. You
1: know. It's interesting though, because you know you're 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 steeped in it pretty constantly. Every time you go to one of these, you know it's it's all of the old covers. You can't really can't really escape it.
0: No, no. I mean, it just. I focus on him enough to find out where there's a bare spot to sign, and yeah. that's about it, actually.
1: Yeah. One of the gentlemen just came up and told you, basically, how how affected his life was by reading one of those books early he on. The Death of
0: Camp to Marvel, I get a lot of that on. Yeah. yeah. What,
1: is it, what is it about that character?
0: I think it's more to do with that story yeah. of him perishing from uh, cancer, that uh, it just, uh, it's a... Uh, it touches a nerve because yeah. just about all of us have come across somebody who's had cancer perished from it and that and uh, you know it's for me my own father had passed away from it for six months before mm-hmm. so it was a cheap form of therapy for me yeah. so uh, but you know other folks have come in and uh, some cancer survivors and that and that's the one that hits them the most.
1: And it must have taken a while to to want to tell that story, to, you know, sort of sit down and and work through your grief.
0: Actually, I made a deal with Marvel to do the Death of Captain Marvel because they wanted to create a new one. Uh, They didn't know what to do with it after I got done with it. Same problem with Warlock, but uh, we... um Cut kind a of deal with them if uh, I did that. Uh, they would print uh, the *Dreadstar* graphic novel, yeah. which was the third one they did in that run. Uh, Captain Marvel was the first. Uh, I basically sat down and wrote down about three or four plots before then. Um, him dying heroically. I yeah. mean, the uh, premise was always that he died. Yeah. And they were all cliches of stories I had seen before, and. Uh, I know, know what happened exactly, but the cancer thing clicked in my head, Yeah. and uh, I actually sent it in, and there, Jim Shooter was the editor at the time with a number of assistant editors, and all the assistant editors hated the story. They just thought, this is terrible, and uh, Jim overrode them and said, go for it, and uh, it all worked out pretty good.
1: You, you must have not expected that to be the one that was going to be adopted, you know. I mean, it's usually well, I a,
0: tossed out the other ones. That's the only one. I Oh, sent it's the only one in.
1: you ended up sending. Yeah, in. I, I said no. I'm yeah. not going
0: to do this. I'm not going to do that. If you want me to do that, this is the story. And Jim was the only one who was sharp enough to realize it was a pretty good story. Yeah.
1: No. D- I mean, it, d- d- did you send it to him thinking they were going going to accept it, though? You know, it seems like <laughs> they would want some something more bigger and explosive to.
0: Uh, it occurred to me, and you know, I tried to jazz it up visually yeah. to compensate for the fact that there was very little action in it, yeah. other than at the beginning. Um, it was forty-eight pages, so I knew I could do a little bit of everything in it and still make it kind of a balanced yeah. comic book, you know, commercially. Um, no, I, I guess I didn't really think too much whether they were going to accept it or not because. Uh, I had had a pretty good run on yeah. Warlock and Captain Marvel, and they knew to expect the unusual from me. And uh, most of the time, uh, you know, with some exceptions, I, I proposed a Submariner series one time right after 9/11. Yeah, was kind of let's think about this a little bit before we bomb. Let's the maybe show wait. Let's maybe wait a little while yeah. after this. Uh, but yeah. Joe Quesada was the editor at that point, and it was nothing to be had up there except let's bomb somebody uh, so yeah. uh, that in the story never went anywhere but even uh, Infinity Gauntlet when I proposed that it only took him about a week to read it and, uh, yeah. and you know say go with it. It's,
1: just, it's so interesting working in an industry where um, you know that the normal is the <laughs> you know of, of like uh, 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 you know that it's strange to inject everyday life into, the, into those books.
0: Well, putting anything cerebral into it t- tends to put people's backs yeah. up sometimes, too. And, uh, you know, I want to do stories that have a little bit more substance than I'm going to fight you this issue. Yeah. You know, and um, the majority of the books are basically just that. <laughs> and uh, so they get used to it and uh, anything unusual sometimes... Uh, You know, depending on the editor, I mean, I worked with uh, guys like Archie Good and Roy Thomas who were just terrific editors. Uh, Then on the other hand, I worked with one editor over at DC who honestly didn't know the difference between a panel and a caption. Yeah. So, I mean, you deal with a wide variety of people and you always got to stay kind of flexible. Was was that your most
1: personal story, the
0: Captain Marvel story? I would think so. Uh, Some of the Thanos stories were kind of personal in the fact that they were examining the more darker things that are inside yeah. me Yeah. Uh, the Thanos quest I think is one of the nastiest stories I've ever done uh, did a beast story uh, called uh, prisoner of love or something which uh, was kind of a personal uh, running through a, a, a bad relationship kind of story yeah. uh, You know, they different degrees are all sort of personal
1: how did you land in the, in, in the cosmic stories? How did that sort of become your, your forte?
0: Um, I started off doing two issues of Iron Man when I first started yeah. working up at Marvel. Uh, one with uh, Mike Friedrichs, which we introduced Thanos and Drax. Yeah. And uh, the next one was one with Steve Gerber. It involved this crazy... Uh, Magician, uh, magician called Rasputin, who and it was kind of a silly story. it yeah. was a Steve Gerber it's story. Because Steve Gerber story. We, you know, we went out to do a silly Iron Man yeah. story, and Stan saw it when it came out, and we both immediately got fired. And what was the story? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was a silly story. Uh, you know, I mean, he just hated it, and yeah. we both got fired. Wow. Uh, fortunately, uh, a few weeks later, uh, Roy had Captain Marvel, which it had. A few issues out already uh, that have been written by Mar Wolfman and Wayne Boring, and uh, the sales on it were terrible. And said, Can you come in here and uh, it's probably going to be this final issue of this month? Yeah. Can you just come in there and do this? And uh, you know, we'll find you some other work afterwards. And uh, what happened was uh, we did it, and the book started selling better. And uh, you know, I Hate drawing horses and cars. Yeah. So uh, going for the cosmic has always been more of a, uh, uh, a uh, natural path for me to take. That, that's, that's the lesson that I learned. You know, I'm, I'm not an artist myself, but having
1: talked to enough cartoonists, like the key is pick something that you want to draw over and over again. All oh,
0: right. You know, I mean, you this yeah. becomes your life, your profession, and. Uh, I wanted to have fun with what I was doing, so yeah. I chose to go that particular path. I veered in it. You know, I had a nice run on Batman, which was sort of Elmore Lenergies, you know, but uh, hmm. other things come and go on him, but I always seem to come back to the cosmic one way or the other. It, it, it seems like you've been pretty lucky from the standpoint of,
1: you know, you're working with the big companies, but you've been able to be like reasonably autonomous or, or you know, you've that they've just been into the stories you're pitching, that you know, you're know you able to do these things your way, which n- not everybody gets that liberty.
0: Yeah, especially in recent times. Uh, yeah. They, you know, over at Marvel, we basically have, they basically have three different Thanoses. There's yeah. one in the movies, one in their comic books, and then there's, there's mine. Yeah. And uh, they really don't cross over with each other at all. How,
1: how is your Thanos
0: different? Uh, I'm writing it half the time. He's not a bad guy. He's always a villain in the Marvel things. Uh, I find him much more interesting where he, when he's, sort of straddling that border between good and evil. Yeah. And uh, that's the main difference between mine and the marble one. How,
1: how, how influential was the, the the cosmic stuff Kirby was doing at the time? I and mean, that's. Oh, I
0: grew up on Jack and yeah. Steve Ditko stuff. I mean, they, they are the foundations of everything I do. Yeah.
1: yeah. And he was he was doing some some of the kind of the fourth world stuff at the time. It,
0: uh, he was beginning to do that. Yeah. I was more steeped in his uh, his Thor's and yeah. Fantastic fours. Uh That was really where I got it. And, uh, he had done the Fourth World about six months or a year okay. beforehand. Uh, Thanos really wasn't a uh, spin-off of uh, Darkseid. Yeah. He was more of a rip-off of Mentor from the New Gods. He actually had him in my original drawings. He had a sort of that throne chair that he uses occasionally now still, Uh, and he was skinny, and so when uh, we did it for uh, Iron Man, Roy just said, bulk him up, and uh, I bulked him up a little bit, and over in the fourth gods, uh, they started bulking the (laughs) dark side up at the same time, and we, they
1: both sort of inflated
0: at the same rate. It's like a cold
1: war of Cold War of character muscles.
0: Yeah, I don't think either one or either, either side was really paying all that much yeah. attention to the other because uh, I remember going over to do some work at uh, DC after the Captain Marvel run and they had no idea what I had been doing over there <laughs> for was, the most part.
1: Was there any, you know, the, the, the timing seems about right. I mean, was there any influence in some of the um, the underground comics that were coming out of time, some of the kind of, of far out stuff? Of course, I mean,
0: everything influences. You know, movies at yeah. the time, uh, books I was reading, uh, underground comics, uh you know, it all becomes part of the mix, yeah. and it comes out with them either walking around in the woods or driving around in the car.
1: It just—it seems like the the, 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 co- the cosmic stuff was just the exact right zeitgeist of, of the
0: time. Uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much of it being done at that point. Uh, even the Silver Surfer was imprisoned on Earth, so yeah. uh, it was something different. Uh, it was something more I wanted to do, and it clearly hit a nerve and uh, did fairly well at that point.
1: How is, it, how is it different writing that than the more just kind of terrestrial superheroes? Uh,
0: for me, uh, not that much difference yeah. because I want to go through a transition with the characters. Uh, I have certain things I set out to do. And uh, whether it was a Batman story, uh, the cult, say for instance, uh, Batman goes through extensive transitions in that story. Uh, just the way Captain Marvel went through a number of transitions as during my run with him.
1: Do, do you like working with these pre-existing characters to kind of have the confines that somebody else has set for you?
0: I like going both ways. Uh, I've spent my most time on Dreadstar, which, yeah. you know, is my longest run anything I ever worked on. Uh, the trouble with pre-existing characters is they connected up with the companies themselves, and you are at the mercy of whatever editor they yeah. assigned you to. If you get a ad- good editor, like I... Uh, uh, worked with a great one over on uh, uh, the Comet series I did at DC, but the later ones we had different editors leading to the final one, whose guy's name I can't remember, who was just awful, and I just quit working on him entirely yeah. at that point.
1: I mean, there's probably something to be said for having some kind of uh, groundwork laid, having some kind of like like boundaries, you know, to to work with it. I mean, it, it, it's that, a double edged sword. Yeah.
0: Sometimes it limits you what you can do, and sometimes, uh, say, like in the Batman things, there were things that they hadn't explored. On the Silver Surfer thing, uh, yeah, uh, in particular, uh, Stan had brought, you know, created this Herald for Galactus who uh, devours planets. And once I started working on the Silver Surfer, it occurred to me that no one's ever. Examine the fact that he was an accessory to mass murder and how this noble soul could justify that in his own soul yeah, and you know, I did up a story where the fact that Galactus manipulated his soul itself to extract that guilt and uh, When it comes back to him he hallucinates and finds himself in a sea of blood So, uh, you know, there's always some room to play if you really look around
1: The key is taking the most far-out characters and making them as human as possible. Exactly. What, what, Batman, you know, talk about somebody with a long history, talk about somebody, you know, I've got to imagine, obviously people are still working with him, but it's got to be really hard finding that untapped resource in a character that is so well-trod.
0: Well, sometimes it's just uh, talking to other people and something comes up uh, during that Batman run, realized that he had never had, they'd never had much of an examination of his relationship with his father. And so I did, particular, one particular story I remember it had to do with his relationship with the past there. And uh, we also had that uh, Robin, that other Robin coming around that they didn't, that nobody liked. Yeah. Uh, this is a, you know, just one after Dick Grayson. And yeah. And so we got to play with some things, uh, the fact that he may have murdered somebody in uh, one of my stories. Yeah. Uh, that gave us uh, room to play around. And, you know, there's always something if you really look hard enough.
1: Any any stories that just absolutely that, that you wish you could have done that, that the editors just wouldn't let through?
0: Uh, I mentioned the Submariner story. Yeah, uh, yeah the I really wanted it. to do that. Uh, I had it all plotted out. Uh, They've, I actually did have a couple pages of the double page spread of Submariner over Atlantis after it's been devastated by yeah. this huge explosion was going to be the basis for it and you know I spent a lot of time in South Africa and uh, I wanted to put Nelson Mandela into the story uh, so that the whole idea of you know you have it just can't go on anger and fear you yeah. have to have some other compassions and that mixed into yeah. it and uh, it was just the wrong time. I mean, it was just post 9-11, and all we wanted was anger and fear. Yeah. In this story, they, 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 they didn't turn it down, but they let me sit for a year waiting to hear from it, and then they went and uh, did Namor and Love instead. Um, yeah,
1: this, there's something about really injecting, you know, things in the real world that are close to people. I mean, that, that's kind of the one, the one sticking point.
0: Yeah, that was about the only time that I really had a hard time with it. Uh, most of the time they let me sneak whatever I want in and uh, we keep it late enough where yeah. they can't change too much. You still, you still like working with Thanos? Oh yeah, he's my baby. He was the first create, yeah. create character I ever created for comics professionally. So.
1: He's, he's your baby. I mean, I've got to imagine that it's, it's kind of strange seeing him. I mean, obviously you, you saw him take on a different
0: life in the comics, but now seeing him be, play the central role in the films. Yeah, doing stories with uh, Adam Warlock and Thanos, uh, they're sort of like going back and visiting old friends, so uh, it's something I can slip into very easily, uh, and usually uh, the biggest part is trying to find that hook, that uh, cosmic thing that's going to make it different than the last cosmic story, and uh, I think we've done pretty well on that. We got a chance along the way to examine religion, and... uh, Duality, and uh, on this latest one uh, that we're doing with the trio graphic novels and the two adjoining miniseries, uh, you know, there's some examinations of uh, omnipotence that uh, I'm having fun looking yeah. into. Ha- has
1: ha- has working on these these big stories with these these big ideas, working on things that you know play into religion, faith, has that affected your your outlook?
0: Uh, my uh, outlook has probably been changed by just about everything uh, that soaks in here so uh, I would have to include that in it but they also the outlook uh, changes what the stories are going to be so it's a vicious loop
1: there you go this great Jim Starlin live on tape from Baltimore Comic Con Uh, did the one Pretty. I mean, I was gonna say early, but I guess relatively early as far as uh, Comic Cons go on Sunday morning at his uh, at his table in the the back of the Convention Center. Um, really interesting doing that. I, I spent. You know, probably like 20 to 30 minutes, just waiting to actually conduct an interview, waiting for there to be a bit of a a lull in the line. Uh, But people just people kept coming up. You know, obviously legendary comics creator, uh, one of the one of the bigger names in in Marvel Comics. Uh, But it was really fascinating to just sort of sit there and and kind of hover by and watch as people walked up to him with all their books um some of them you know it's when you're when you're sitting there waiting to do uh, an interview with somebody um you know there's 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 nothing more frustrating than watching a, a dude just wheel up with this just dolly full of comics you know and they've got uh, just a bunch of long boxes pulling out of these books um, you know, as you mentioned at the top of the interview, he they, he, he he kind of knows where all the, the blank spaces are on all these covers—the best place to sign them. But you know, a lot of cases, it's a lot of folks with um, you know the, the Palmer plastic covers, kind of cut out at a certain point, and some post-it notes and little arrows to as to where he should sign. These are these are these are professional people getting autographs from him. Um, people who just I, I I assume just sort of tour around the the country or go to every one of these shows and, and get the different creators to sign them. But, uh, you know, from, uh, and then, you know, every every couple of people or so, somebody would come up and, and, and you know, present to him one of the covers and would just have, like, a really fascinating, heartfelt story about how important that book was to them growing up and, you know, all the, the different issues it touched upon us as, as we talked about the um the top of the show um some of the 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 conversations he was having around cancer so uh really really fascinating um to, to hear people just just discuss the personal impact of of those books and you know and um I'm, I'm sure that he's heard all these stories a million times, but it was he was still you know, very willing to, to talk to people about them and uh, very willing to, to sp- uh, speak with me as well and answer some questions that I'm sure he's also answered a million times. So thanks so much to Jim for taking the time to do that. Uh, coming up next, another uh, another interview from Baltimore Comic Con.
2: Yeah, that's the, um, the, the really neat thing is is part of doing conventions and and just kind of being here is newer artists, kind of uh, yeah. the younger guys getting into it. They get a chance to bring their portfolios by or bring their work by or ask advice. And uh, and you know I, I was that kid. Yeah. You know, I was I was I was that young guy just wanting people to look at my work and and wanting to get some advice
1: on how to get better if at all possible. Well, you. I, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to see what he was doing, but you know what impressed me when I got here was how quickly you sort of pinpointed ah. the problem, <laughs> what he was trying to do, and what he was running up against. Yeah.
2: Well, the the, the cool thing is, uh, is I think, in a sense, I've probably made every mistake an sure. artist could possibly make, and I remembered yeah. how to correct them. So. So his, that's how was, that goes. his
1: was sort of, I think you were saying, kind of being, I, I guess, like, too focused on the details rather than yeah, like the bigger and, picture. Yeah, and that's, that's
2: kind of a common thing. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a common thing with, uh, with illustrators. I, I think we see details as being correct. Mm. It, it's, it's the most easiest thing for us to do is, is not be an artist, but in a sense be a stenographer yeah. for, for details. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I think that's the first thing you have to break as an artist is, is getting out of thinking that, oh, details are correct and look at the bigger picture.
1: You know, I, I watched you do a few sketches and they all, uh, save, save for the last one, but they all sort of took on that similar form of, um, it's almost like sort of nonsensical line work, <laughs> yeah, you know, of you yeah. literally scribbling across the yeah. page. I mean, you did a, it was sort of like a framework, of one contiguous line. Yeah, it's
2: it's, uh, it's sort of allowing yourself to find the drawing huh. uh, rather than trying to control the drawing.
1: Yeah. And that's everything kind of more or less oh, starts out? Yeah, that yeah. Way? that's 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 how I do everything. Well, what was it was it was a really good I mean, I'm gonna quote you back to you. <laughs> um I'm, I'm uh what was it? It was um something about sort of mistakes being the foundation of style. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's a
2: thing that uh that I always say to the uh to the younger guys is that that style is a series of mistakes that you find pleasing.
1: Yeah. So what uh, what what did you find and how did you develop your style what were those mistakes that led to you know what I'm looking at right now
2: well uh, I find I found that it was just uh, easier for me to draw things uh, a little bit more graphic yeah uh, I, I sort of came into comics from uh, illustration and fashion illustration oh, interesting so uh, I just drew things graphically because it was easier for me to break things down that way and uh, and now I find that well it looks kind of cool when I not refine it as much
1: as yeah. I should. Yeah. So, uh, so you were so th- so. Comics isn't really your first career.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. I was. Um, I had a career as a as an illustrator before I got into comics.
1: Mm-hmm. Wh- what were you doing in fashion? Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I was just doing uh, a few ads for uh, for this woman that did stockings, and okay. uh, and I did like uh, just. A lot of um, pattern makers and designers would come to me and get me to do like a fashion piece for them.
1: Was that was that something you were interested in, or was that something you fell into as an illustrator? Uh, it's something that I kind of fell into. Yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, being in Atlanta and the, the apparel mart being right there, yeah. it was uh, it was really something that was easy to get into. Uh, I got into it uh, while I was in school, so it was uh, kind of something that because it paid, it was fun, and and I was. Interested in fashion. I wasn't interested in fashion before then, yeah. but that's got me really kind of passionate about that's fashion.
1: Is, is it clear how that informed you, informed your work as a cartoonist? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it
2: completely informed my work as a, as a cartoonist. There's a, a lot of philosophy and fashion that huh. I've... Uh, it's the, the funny thing about what I do is I have either quit or failed just about every art job you can have. And comics is I stick to comics mainly because it's actually a combination of all of them yeah. so I did architectural work I did fashion illustration I did courtroom illustration I did all of those separate jobs yeah but comics were requ- and I would get eventually bored with them but comics requires you to do
1: all of them at once all the time it it must it must have seemed daunting then at first you know and and, and this idea of I, I don't understand how anybody can do it. How anybody can you know go panel by panel and tell a story. Uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think when you when you are into it as a kid, uh, yeah. And comics really kind of to, they taught me how to draw. Yeah. I mean, as as a kid, I I would look at the comics and then do my own adventures of you know Power Man and Iron Fist and the Hulk and all these characters. So uh, so my first drawings were based on. Looking at comics,
1: did did comics feel like an unrealistic goal at first? Is that why you headed in other directions? Oh yeah, I when I was a kid l- looking at comics, I didn't even grasp
2: the concept that people drew these. <laughs> so so yeah. uh, so like when I graduated from high school, I went into art school and and decided to well let yeah. me get serious about this whole art thing, and I didn't even consider art uh, comics yeah. like a viable form of of illustration I didn't think I didn't think people got paid to do it uh, and it wasn't until I did a comic book really as kind of a farce and I kind of thought oh well I like comics when I was young I always wanted to do a comic let me do one yeah and I did one and had such a fantastic time yeah that I just
1: kind of stuck to the industry it, it, it's interesting because it, it seems to be kind of what what a big part of what you're doing here and a big part of your interaction with people especially like you know the kids who are coming up is um, Lifting that veil, in a sense, and showing them, yeah. like you know, like this is this is kind of how crappy my stuff looks like before yeah. I go oh, over yeah. it yeah. again and again. Mm-hmm. Just sort of showing 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 them the framework, and 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 by by doing that, instantly, comics are sort of attainable. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're something you could do. And
2: uh, it's a it's a little it's a little better now because we we have the internet and you can actually see artists sketching yeah but i I never went to a comic book convention when i was a kid and uh at the same time i didn't actually look at originals until three months before i got into the industry so the only thing i saw was finished pieces
1: Yeah. yeah so
2: it was like the concept of they do little doodles before they go to finish. So yeah. That that was kind of lost on me. You
1: you you have got it's interesting you've, and you've gone so kind of far in, in the other direction. I've never seen anybody's process quite like that where you're literally just drawing, erasing, drawing, erasing, drawing, yeah. erasing. Mm-hmm. How how long did it take to get there? How long did it take to sort of stop being precious about the first thing you put on the page? Uh,
2: it, it took a, a serious migration. And yeah. uh, and a lot of it a lot of it's based on like, I find I find that I can even look at Leonardo da Vinci's work and go, that hand is wrong. Yeah. Um, so that sort of <laughs> taught me that it's a little bit easier to edit than yeah. it is to create. So I try to get myself out of the creating process and into the editing process as quickly as possible. It's
1: interesting. I, you know, I, I wonder if this this might be a difference. It's probably a little bit of an individual thing. I wonder if this is maybe also a difference between. Uh, being a, an artist and being a writer, so I kind of find the opposite to be true. I I find that it's easy to just sort of get stuff out there, and actually having to go back and hack up my stuff, having to rewrite it—that that's the painful part of the process. Oh. <laughs>
2: uh, well, uh, it, it's it's kind of cool because I think I had a conversation. In fact, uh, there's a writer friend of mine, Doug Wagner. We went to New York and uh, and spoke with this uh, bassist, and it hmm. was. To me, one of the most eye-opening conversations yeah. because he's a writer, I'm an illustrator, and we're talking to this musician, yeah. and we're talking about uh, creating. Yeah, you know, we're talking yeah. about our, our, our processes, and there was a strange analog that connected us. Yeah. and and we yeah. really saw that okay, creating, no matter what it is, you creating comes from a certain process, hmm. and after listening to the basis. And how he did things, I was just like, okay, well, maybe I should change my process a little bit uh, and see how that works. And
1: it was it was just really kind of kind of cool to see that it it crosses genres. Yeah. Yeah. There, there there are definitely certain analogs, you know, in terms of um, like empty space, silences, yeah. I'm mean, there, you know, what where not to fill up the page. Yes, is, is yes. pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, one of the things he said to uh, this gentleman um, was. You know, you, you mentioned you mentioned directors, you mentioned musicians, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's sort of <laughs> almost thinking about yourself yeah. as the analog of exactly, uh, a musician. Yeah. It, so, who is your uh, who's your musical analog?
2: Uh, um, I like um, I like some of the uh, some of the jazz players, not not the okay. you know sort of totally out there jazz players, but um, but I like uh, people like like Charlie Parker, okay. where. Where there's a, a beautiful combination of, of, of math and swing. Yeah. You know, where he's able to syncopate things so well, but yeah. at the same time just have this sort of movement with it. Uh, and and that's guys like him. Uh, Brubeck is another yeah. guy that, uh, that I really pay a, uh, close attention to. And then I also move into guys like Dick Dale, who brought in, like, a lot of these, like, Indian influences yeah. into his yeah, stuff. And yeah, just really music, created yeah. something completely different but uh but it's still that hard math is there yeah but that swing is there also
1: that's it's interesting you know i think i think about brubeck and i think about somebody who um i don't want to for formulaic is in the word but somebody who you know has sort of like seems to have strict parameters you know strict like time structures things like that but what's interesting about uh parker specifically somebody who's at this kind of like musical precipice between big band and yeah, between, you know yeah. what like Coltrane and Miles Davis did. But he, what what he does is he brings a lot of that structure, but you always get the sense that he's about to kind of fly off, you yeah, know. Yeah. That you know, that the Bebop that it's just like, you know, maybe a weird note gets hit hit, hit there. And I and I think I think that that's an interesting thing to take for
0: art. Is, oh, yeah. is
1: having I mean, you know, you're drawing these structures, but you know, like you said, and, and you can very much hear this in, in jazz music that the mistakes ultimately are what define yes the work.
2: yes yeah uh, and that's that's my whole thing is uh is right now i feel that i'm drawing just the mistakes <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like you know I've, I've accepted the mistakes as as the good stuff you know and that's drawing that, mistakes uh, yeah. and that's and that's that's what's fun about it you know and you don't
1: and, and you, you can look at it and you're okay with it, it yeah because yeah. you can obviously you can see mistakes other people can't see mm, yeah 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 and uh and it's.
2: I think there's a difference between a, a mistake that creates swing and a mistake that yeah. creates a discord. Sure. You know, and uh, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm striving for. Yeah. And that's that's kind of something that I'd like to um, uh, bring into the uh, the Black Panther book is uh, is is just that that little edge. Yeah. You know, That little not everything is just absolutely perfectly sound, you know?
1: It, it, it's, I, you know, I talk to, like, most of, in comics, most of the people I talked to are really kind of, like, in, independent creators, and, you know, I spoke to, uh, uh, Jules Pfeiffer last oh, night, yeah. had a conversation yeah. about this, because, you know, what, what, um, yeah, he studied under Will Eisner, right? He studied mm. under, studied under, like, wow. you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Julia. What, the, 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 Julia you know, defining. Julia of oh, yeah. the red um, jacket. And please what he said was, he realized that he was sort of a, that he was a failure please when it, he couldn't, Jules me. Pfeiffer can't draw the spirit. And that's how your he was able to define his style was to figure out what his limitations were and, yeah. and to sort of work within that. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the real uh,
2: thing is to figure out who you are as a storyteller. Yeah. Uh, because I, I think no matter, no matter what it is that we do, uh, we're storytellers. I think the, a subcategory of that is mm. artists, musician, yeah. all these other things. But ultimately, all of us are storytellers. We're we're trying to impart wisdom. We're trying to impart entertainment. We're trying to we're we're trying to sort of speak that invisible language yeah. that I do something and it makes synapses fire in your head. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, I think what's uh, what's really cool is. Because we're not taught that early enough, oftentimes we think what's most important is fidelity. Hmm. We think what's most important is documentation, just documenting yeah. something that we've experienced. But, uh, but after a while, you really understand
1: that, well, I'm not an artist, I'm a storyteller. The difference between drawing anatomy and drawing what you see. Yeah. And that's and I don't know was that for you when you had that realization initially was that kind of born of those mistakes when you drew one leg instead of two?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely it. I, I think, I think when you concern yourself with uh, with drawing anatomy,
0: yeah,
2: uh, that gives rise to drawing ghosts. When if you know that this particular muscle is there, and if you know that this particular bone is there, yeah. you try to express that in your drawing. When in actuality, what's most important about the drawing is the panic that the character is experiencing yeah. and not a bit of sinew or a bit of bone or anything like that. So, uh, so I think once you're taught anatomy, you make that the most important part of the drawing rather than the story you're trying to tell. And I think when you learn to draw based on pure observation rather than anatomy, yeah. then observation and experience are inexplicably linked together.
1: You must have had to unlearn a lot of stuff. Oh, to get to my that God. Point. Yeah. Did you <laughs> yeah. studied anatomy uh, and you studied all these. Uh,
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I studied anatomy and all of that. And I was, a, you know, a really frustrated student. Yeah. You know, learning that stuff. Uh, and, yeah, I've, I've spent, a I've, I've, I've forgotten much more than I've learned. <laughs> you know, This Black Panther thing is crazy. Oh, it's <laughs> it's crazy. It, it is the craziest thing I've been involved in.
1: You must have. I mean, I, you know, it's. You must have just been sitting on this and just waiting to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tell you, um, the uh, the funniest thing is, uh, is, will um, Wilson Moss is my editor, and he was my editor on a book uh, Jonah Hex that I did at oh, DC. Yeah. Now yeah. he's at Marvel, and I'm, and I'm working with him, and I got a great relationship with him, and I enjoy working with him, and uh, and he was. Uh, uh, talking about me doing some Black Panther work, and I was just like, "Yeah, that, that sounds good." And he's like, yeah. we, "We've got a great writer." And I was just like, <laughs> well, "Okay, cool, yeah. Whoever the writer is, yeah." yeah. And and, uh, and he sent me the plot, and I looked at the plot, and I was just like, "Yeah, this is something I'm really interested in." And uh, and he said, "Yeah, the writer's Tanahase Coates. and my brain just flew out of the back of my head. I mean, it was just just absolutely blew me away, and I was just like, "Okay, so." now you've taken this to another level and yeah. and i was I, I just assumed that i was one of the only people that knew ta yeah. you know and uh and then when the news came out on uh on monday yeah. or tuesday what ended up happening was i just kind of thought okay cool they've announced it and then my phone exploded <laughs> it was just really and uh and i i just told my girlfriend this but uh but like my mom, very proud of me, but she doesn't know anything about comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, She doesn't really follow my career or anything like that. But I got a call from her the other day, saying, "Oh yeah, I heard that you just got the uh, Black Panther," and I was just like, "Okay, it's
1: over." <laughs> you know? It's you, you know, it's funny. I was watching. You know, I was I'm you know familiar with his work. Uh, you know, a lot of like the journalistic pieces he's, he's done. But the day before it happened, I think I was watching like. I think I was watching, like, MSNBC on Saturday or something, oh. right? Totally unrelated to this. And somebody just offhandedly, they were talking about a story they did. And somebody said, oh, yeah, he's, he's our James Baldwin. And then and it's, but, it, but, the, wow. but the disconnect between hearing something like that, you yeah. know, like James Baldwin, like, obviously one of the great, like, intellectual yeah. thinkers. Yeah. And to hear somebody called, like, the modern day or whatever, blah, 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 James Baldwin. And then a day later, oh, he's working on a comic book yeah and that's just something that like is even today even when comics are just you know the mainstream everything and every movie is comic books it's still really hard to reconcile oh it it is it is uh and
2: you don't want to say something is is odd as isn't he too important to do comics? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Doesn't he have better things to do with this time? <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like it's 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 almost like oh yeah I'm using the Tiffany you know sort of glass for a beer. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah exactly. Of, it's, exactly. It's it's kind of strange but uh but like what's really cool is he is a legitimate comic. He's not one of these guys yeah. that says well I'm a comic book fan yeah, from way yeah, back yeah, yeah. and and you know they've seen a comic book but yeah. he's he's hardcore. He knows more about Black Panther than I do. Yeah. So, I was really uh, surprised that he was that big a fan of comics and that big a fan of Black Panther. It, it'll
1: be really interesting to see how it, it comes out because it's so, especially when you're working with these archetypes. And I assume, based on what I know about him as a writer, that there's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of deep social themes. Yes. And it's a really hard line to walk to not be completely heavy handed with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I don't like it, it's hard to point to. You know, aside from some of the sort of LGBT stuff, it's hard to really point to a lot of comics since, like, early Lee Kirby, that really did social issues in a smart way through mainstream superhero. Yeah, and that's
2: that's really the the real game here is uh, is we can't directly talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Our best, the best that we can do is metaphorically. You Mm -hmm. know, the best that we can do is come at it. Uh, from an obtuse angle yeah. rather than just flat out saying it because I, I honestly don't think that I, I don't like any story that's told that way yeah. uh, so when you actually wrap the story in metaphor or simile then I think it becomes interesting yeah and uh, and and Coates seems to really be doing that with uh, with this uh, the first uh, first four issues
1: he the character exists in the real world yes And deals with i mean the, the shit that especially like in the past year seems to have come to the forefront i assume is going to play a role in that mm-hmm. uh well
2: i can't talk about too much yeah, of that sure, stuff sure. uh but uh but it's uh it's a very non-comic book story hmm. i mean it's 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 definitely a comic book yeah but uh but when you read it it's like wow, this is,
1: I'm reading something different. I mean, he's occupying a really interesting space interesting. with this story. And that's still as fun to draw as just like big muscly dudes punching each other? Oh, it's it's absolute fun to draw. Yeah, I mean, the the cool thing is, uh, I mean, pyrotechnics
2: is a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Pyrotechnics is a lot of fun to draw. But even when I, like if you look at the stuff that I've done, I don't want to just draw that. Mm. You know, what I want to do is uh, I get just as big a kick out of two people in a room talking, as I do out of Batman fighting Superman, Yeah. Uh, ma- mainly because oftentimes with writers, they'll write Batman fighting Superman. But when they're writing two people in a room talking, sure. they concentrate more on their dialogue yeah. and they leave everything else to me. I see. And when they leave stuff to me, then I can go, all right, now let me walk the scene. Let me, Let me bring something yeah. else. Let me think of things that the characters will do that'll tell the story.
1: And I assume that he's probably giving you a lot of liberty because this is your world. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. the comics guy, he's the that he's was, the book writer. That was
2: one of the first emails that he sent to me, yeah. which was which is really cool. Uh, because he's a big enough deal to where I wouldn't expect that, but uh, but he was just like, "I'm the rookie here. You yeah. know, tell me tell me what you need."
1: So you feel you feel like you're not just kind of a hired hired gun in this that you're Oh no
2: a, it's a, it's it's definitely a, a collaborative process. Yeah. really yeah really looking forward to it.
1: Are, are you thinking about you know the fact that, as given given the the profile that this has had so far I assume it's going to be a really big book but I assume it's going to be a really big book you know for a lot of people who haven't read comics. Are you thinking about the fact that this, you know, might be a lot of people's kind of first exposure? Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think that's something that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the fact that uh, with a lot of people, this is going to be their first comic. A lot of people that follow him, they're going to pick this up. Kind of thinking, okay, what what do we have here? And, uh, and I think we have screwed that up a bunch of times in the comic book industry. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Where it's like... Of um, Superman, uh, or, yeah, <laughs> yeah, where people their first comic that they've that they've picked up is is a terrible comic yeah. book, um, yeah. but uh, but I think he's doing something different here. Okay. He's really stepping up to the plate and trying to do something that's going to be a great first comic book.
1: Sure, and, and but
2: but at the same time, because his because of his respect for the character, it's also a good. There's enough Easter eggs in there yeah. that the uh, that the old guard are going to be happy with it also well that's
1: the that's the the chief concern on the other side is is um shoving a character into yeah. a story you know yeah. he, that that you know that 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 he or whoever has a story they want to tell and it happens to be a black panther book but that's yeah. kind of inconsequential yeah, yeah well this, this is
2: this is this uh, is it's and that was a concern that Oh, well, is this like some screenplay he had that yeah, he's adapting? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh but this is a Black Panther story. Yeah. It's it's a story that requires the Black Panther.
1: Interesting. How how would you, you know, cuz Black Panther I think has been kind of a little bit more on the periphery generally. You know, he's not he's clearly like not one of the flagship yeah. characters. I mean, how would you really how would you describe him as a character? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is
2: a character in my favorite position because he's a character that's known but underdeveloped okay you know where there's kind enough, of a clean slate in the yeah, sense. yeah there's an there's enough meat on the bones to yeah. where we can really take advantage of what exists yeah but at the same time exactly how things work in Wakanda yeah they haven't talked about exactly what's the political structure exactly all the nuts and bolts of visually how it looks they really haven't talked about it, so I'm like, great! You know, I get to, I get to design the city. I'll, I'll use a couple of the buildings that guys have drawn before, yeah. but for the most part, I can design the buildings. I can design how the cities look. I can design how traffic works in Wakanda. So that's that's a lot of fun for me.
1: <laughs> like a like, like kid Toys R Us.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: it, it is, this a, is, is this that. the most fun you've had working on a mm-hmm. book?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've 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 just really had a blast and and it's kind of cool because usually to have this kind of fun on the book you have to work away from the big two you have to either do creator own stuff uh because they don't like you sort of messing with their toys yeah but uh but like axel uh axel alonso what's really cool is he's just like i
1: hired you to be you yeah so it's like
2: okay cool
1: you know and that's kind of what marvel's been doing and that's why the fact that it's not you know uh captain america helps yeah 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 exactly you know because say because you get you get to kind of reinvent this character mm, yeah oh. yeah i mean uh and and that it's like
2: you get to reinvent the character but you get to reinvent the character as a fan of the character which is i think
1: a totally different thing There you go. That was Brian Stelfreeze live from Baltimore Comic Con. Thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Uh, I like like the Jim Starlin interview. I I was uh, sitting at his his booth and, and you know waiting to get the opportunity to, to speak to him as he was um, you know signing things for different people and then uh, a. Uh, a I was gonna say kid, but you know, I guess a teenager is, uh, is probably appropriate. Uh, walked up to him with his portfolio and, and showed him all of the work he was he was doing, and um, it was really, uh, really, really fascinating wa- watching him um, not only draw not only draw something uh, for the kid, but you know, and, and if you ever get the opportunity to watch Brian Stelfries draw something, absolutely do it. It's a very, very fascinating process. Uh, but also, just kind of like walking him through the steps of of what it what it takes to be a, a professional cartoonist, and um, you know all of the the different uh, roadblocks and stumbling blocks people encounter along the way. Uh, so thanks so much, Tim, for taking the time to do that. Uh, very, very patient patient person both with me and every single person who came up to the table really really fascinating conversation a really terrific artist um and you know also uh we 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 talked about this toward toward the end but um i think like probably just a a few days before we had that conversation there was the big news that he's doing at black panther with zincy Coates. um so I easily, easily the the most anticipated comic of, of twenty sixteen. Really looking forward to that. So thanks so much to Brian for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to uh, thanks to all of you folks for for listening. I hope that the sound quality was was reasonably okay as far as uh, recording podcasts live on the showroom floor of Comic Cons go. Um, there were <laughs> this is. This is a, uh, you know, I guess a note for all of these conversations. Uh, the PA, a, a really, really wonderful show, Baltimore Comic Con, but the PA is really awful and particularly you know you you get a, a a few people who are sitting directly under the speaker system and and ryan i think was like was, was pretty much right under it so the pa was really really awful there so there were a few bits that i had to edit out uh in there but uh you got most of that conversation uh so thanks so much Tim, for taking the time to do that uh thanks um this is one of those times where I don't thank Ryan uh, for editing the show together because uh, this one was all me. So all of the terrible audio conditions that you're uh, currently bearing uh, with me through are, are completely my fault. Um, so thanks to uh, who should I thank? Thanks to everybody at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like the show, many other fine podcasts you can check out over there. Uh, check those out uh, at Boing Boing or over at itunes and while you're over at itunes take the opportunity to, to rate the show if you liked what you heard if you got any feedback it's rylcast at gmail.com follow us on tumblr that's rylcast that is the first and best place to get all of your riyl related information uh, i've got a facebook page you can like us over there uh that's about all i got and we will be back uh, actually in just a few days with another episode of R I Y L.